Isaiah 1, verses 16 through 18. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to be evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Cleave for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Through your sins, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though your sins are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Good morning. We're very grateful for your presence. We're very thankful to have visitors with us. As always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We have a number of people that have placed membership in recent weeks, and for that we're grateful. We want to encourage you, if you are looking for a, for a church home, to consider the work here. We would be more than happy to have you come and join hands with us as we strive to make known New Testament Christianity in this community. We're going to be looking at a two-part lesson today. I don't typically do this, but because of the subject matter and the magnitude of the subject matter, we're going to be looking at this particular study this morning and tonight. And so if you want to hear the continuation, then you need to be back tonight. But I began this lesson last Sunday morning, and I I really have more material than can be covered in one lesson, really in two lessons. And there's just so much information to convey as we think about where we stand as a country. And the reason we want to explore this particular subject is because it affects all of us. We live in the United States and we are citizens of this country. And so it matters to us about the direction of our nation. I want to spend some time today, and I have several things that I want to read for you, and I want to try to convey this material in as concise a manner as is humanly possible. But I do have some things that I want to read to you. I have some thoughts that I want to share with you. And we're going to be thinking primarily about the crisis that we are facing in America. We began last week by talking about what is happening to us in this country. And I really believe that that is a question that ought to be on the minds of all concerned citizens in this country. Where do we stand? Is there a crisis? I believe there is a crisis. And so as we study this lesson, I want to begin by saying that many of our nation's greatest leaders believed our country was the beneficiary of God's providential care and goodness. They acknowledged the need to look to God in his word for guidance. Noah Webster, whose name is forever linked to the dictionary, and also who has been called the father of American education and scholarship, said the religion which has introduced civil liberty is the religion of Christ and his apostles. To this we owe our free constitutions of government. Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president, made this observation. It is the duty of nations, as well as of men, to own their dependence on the overruling power of God 
and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history, that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. On May the 6th, 1982, at a White House ceremony observing the National Day of Prayer, President Ronald Reagan had this to say. Prayer has sustained our people in crisis, strengthened us in times of challenge, and guided us through our daily lives since the first settlers came to this continent. Our forebears came not for gold, but mainly in search of God and the freedom to worship in their own way. We've been a free people living under law, with faith in our maker and in our future. I've said before that the most sublime picture in American history is of George Washington on his knees in the snow at Valley Forge. That image personifies a people who know that it's not enough to depend on our own courage and goodness. We must also seek help from God, our Father and Preserver. Our Pledge of Allegiance states that we are one nation under God, and our currency bears the motto, In God We Trust. The morality and values such faith implies are deeply embedded in our national character. Our country embraces those principles by design, and we abandon them at our peril. I said last week, we are not a theocracy. We are, we are a republic. And in light of that, we have to bear in mind that what we're gonna be talking about today deals with principles found in God's holy word. These principles can serve us well as a nation of people. Not too long ago, I had the opportunity to tape two television commercials at the Channel 5 studio on Union Avenue. The commercials will begin airing in a little over a week. One of the commercials that I taped basically pointed out that as a nation of people, we are facing uncharted waters. We are in real trouble. And quite frankly, Washington does not have the answers. What we have to do is get back to the basics, back to the Bible. We have to understand that God's word has the answer to the ills of our nation. So, having said that, I want us to begin by talking about the reality of where we are as a nation. As we think about where we stand as a nation, what we're gonna be doing is looking at the problems. I wish that I could paint a better picture for you than what I have to present to you. But when you begin to look at some of the things that are ongoing in our country, the conclusions are not positive, but rather they are negative. We have to be honest and candid in our observations. And so having said that, let me begin by saying that problem number one that we face as a nation of people has to do with the growing hostility toward the Bible and Christianity in America. All of the other problems that we're gonna be talking about basically can be traced back 
to this one point. We are living in a day and time in which sadly the Bible and Christian values and for that matter Christian people we are public enemy number one. We are living in what has been called a post-Christian society or nation. Let that sink in for a minute. We are living in a post-Christian nation. That ought to get our attention. There are many people in our world today and in our society who are crying for tolerance. And unfortunately, they have become increasingly intolerant of our beliefs and values. You see, they want us to be tolerant, but they are intolerant of what we believe and what we practice. The drifting of our nation and the destructive path that we have chosen is due in large part to the fact that we have turned a deaf ear to the Bible. When you boil it all down, that really is what is undermining us as a nation. Let me call your attention to the book of Hosea for just a moment. In the book of Hosea, in chapter four, the prophet in the long ago leveled an indictment against the people of God. And the basis of this indictment in the long ago was the fact that these people who had been the rich recipients of God's grace and mercy, they had been extremely blessed by Almighty God. They had been entrusted with his oracles or with his word. And the bottom line was they had drifted. And as the prophet said, there is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Now having said that, listen to what the prophet said. Because there was no truth, mercy, or knowledge of God in the land, Hosea said, by swearing and lying, killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. Herein lies a commentary on the nations of man. When men and women abdicate the word of God, when they say, we are not going to be ruled by what God in his word has said, you can just mark it down. Mayhem will follow. Here were people that had been the recipients of God's holy word. They had been entrusted with his oracles and yet because they had abandoned those precepts, Hosea said, in the long ago there is swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. They break all restraint. I want to ask you this question. Is that not a commentary on many of the newspapers that you can pick up all across this country every day. If I didn't know better, I would think I was reading the latest copy of the Memphis Commercial Appeal. 
or the Atlanta Journal, the Chattanooga Times, the New York Times. You get the point. We are reaping the harvest of bad seed. Hosea would say in chapter 8, at verse 12, they have sown to the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. In verse 6 of chapter 4, he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then in Proverbs 28 at verse 19, Solomon in the long ago said, where there is no revelation. In other words, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. God's word, when implemented, will effectively guide individuals. When abandoned, however, what do people do? They cast off all restraint. Now look again at what Hosea said in chapter 4, verse 2. They break all restraint. What is it that should govern the hearts and lives of people today? It's the word. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. In other words, the world is engulfed in spiritual darkness. The only thing that can dispel that darkness is the light of God's word. When we close our minds to the word of God, we are in trouble. And I think that we can see the effects of that all across our country. From the west coast to the east coast, from the north to the south. Now having said that, what are some of the other problems that we face? I mentioned just a moment ago that just about every conceivable problem that we are encountering can be traced back to our abdication of divine truth in this country. When you look around in our society today, what is it people are trying to do? They are trying to expunge, to expel the word of God from every sector of society. And make no mistake about it, those who are involved in this agenda, they are militant. They intend on ramrodding their agenda into the hearts and lives of the American public. They expect us to sit back and take it. That's what they want. And so, just keep that in mind. Let me talk to you for just a moment about the home. It has been said in days gone by, and I believe it to be the case, as the home goes, so goes the nation. You go back and you look at the history of the Israelite people, they had been instructed to teach their children diligently in the word of God. There was a day and time when many American families truly believed in the power of God's word. I might not have agreed with the doctrinal stance of many of the people that have lived here on planet Earth. I might not have believed in the doctrinal positions of many of those who make up and made up our society. But one thing that 
we would, have, we would all have agreed on is that the Bible is, in fact, the inspired word of God. Many families across our country, they believed in instilling the principles and precepts of Scripture into the hearts and lives of their children. That's not the case anymore. Paul said in the long ago, and Jesus too, that the home is the bedrock of society. Because you see, when you begin to read what Jesus had to say and what the Apostle Paul and others had to say, you get the impression that the home is the foundation, the bedrock of any society. I mentioned ancient Israel in the long ago. They failed to teach their children in the law of God and what happened? They drifted. Well, we have failed in the home in our country. And because of that, we're facing many, many problems. Let me just begin by saying that the traditional family as we know it is under assault. What do I mean when I say the traditional family? The traditional family is one man and one woman. That constitutes what? A marriage. Now there are those in our, in our country today whose goal is to rewrite how we define marriage. I mentioned last week that the president of our country is on record as saying that he supports same-sex marriage. When nations begin to accept same-sex relationships, marital relationships, however you want to call it or define it, you will see a nation in decay. What does the Bible teach? Jesus said many, many years ago that marriage is between a man and a woman. When he was posed the question in Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for any cause or every cause? His response, have you not read? For he that made them in the beginning made them male and female. Why did God make a female? Because God said in Genesis chapter 2, it is not good for man to be alone. God did not make another male. To be the companion, the suitable answer to Adam. God made Eve. He made a female. Now please listen very carefully. That's what the Bible says. And the bottom line is, that ought to be the end of the discussion. What Jesus said about marriage, that's it. Now some would say that Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. That he never said anything about same-sex marriages. By implication, Jesus said marriage is only between a man and woman. Now, the Apostle Paul had something to say about homosexuality. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul said homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did the apostle Paul write by inspiration? Did he have authority? In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 37, Paul said that the things that he wrote to them were the commandments of the Lord. Paul simply stated what God in heaven wanted him to state. And that is, those who live in a homosexual lifestyle cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I want to say this about the traditional family. The traditional family is between a male and female, between a man and a woman. We are seeing a very militant movement in our country, and make no mistake about it, they are militant in trying to get people in our society, in our nation, to accept their lifestyle. Do we speak the truth in love? Absolutely, Ephesians 4, verse 15. We ought to speak the truth in love. We ought to be loving and kind toward our fellow man. We have to make a distinction between the person and the lifestyle or the doctrine, the philosophy. Just because I say that I am against homosexuality, in no way implies that I hate those who are living in homosexuality. My understanding is that God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There are some people in our society and some within the church who have the idea that we ought not say anything. I'm gonna deal with this more fully tonight. But listen to me very carefully. The movement in our country, it's very militant. And they have made great headway within the last 20 years. And they will continue to make headway. What we have to do is stand up and speak out. We have to understand that we are, as Paul said, to war a good warfare. We are not to be Christian pacifists. But rather we are involved in a fight. Spiritual warfare is a fight. We have to be militant in standing up for the truth of Almighty God. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. I don't know how, any, I don't know how you could say it any other way. Now, having said that, let me just read this for you and then we're gonna move on. Toward the latter part of the Clinton administration, a movie was shown at the White House called it was really a video, it was called That's a Family. And according to the San Francisco Chronicle, the film was made to be shown to elementary and middle school children across, across this country, depicting gay and lesbian parents, single moms, guardians, and adopted children. The thrust of what they were doing and the thrust of that particular video was to get people all across this nation to accept homosexuality as normal behavior. That's really what the goal was. One of the children who was in this production had this to say, 12 years old, I'm really excited. Some people are prejudiced and stuff against different families, like gay families. 
It's important to know that they can still be a family. It doesn't have to be a mom, a dad, a son, and a daughter. What, what, what's the goal? The goal is to brainwash children. You see, you and I, those of us who are older, we, we do not accept the homosexual lifestyle. Many of us say we do not believe in same-sex marriage, and that's not going to change. But the agenda of those who are propagating this lifestyle, they know the way to bring about change, teach our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, so that when they become of age, guess what? They don't have a problem with it. So that's what they're trying to do. Let me give you a second problem that we're facing in our country. Divorce. Did you know that the Lord's desire for the home, specifically for marriage, one man and one woman for life? That's what, that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19. In verse 6 he said, What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Statistically speaking, 49% of marriages end in divorce. According to divorcestatistics2011.com. That, that is a sobering statistic. And what we have to understand is that divorce has made inroads in the church. We have a lot of people within the church today that have been impacted by divorce. Many of our families today, we understand the hurt that goes along with divorce. And so what we have to teach our children that God expects permanency, commitment in that marital relationship. God expects men and women to dwell together in good times, bad times, highs and lows until death. Those are the vows that we take. Then let me cite for you this statistic. Cohabitation among unmarried couples. Reports from the U.S. Census Bureau say that the number of cohabitating unmarried partners increased by, 80, by 88% between 1990 and 2007. In 2005, the U.S. Consensus Bureau reported 4.85 million cohabitating couples, up more than 10 times from 1960, when there were 439,000 such couples. Listen to this statistic. The 2002 National Survey of Family Growth found that more than half of all women aged 15 to 44 have lived with an unmarried partner. What's the Bible say? The Bible says, let the marriage bed be undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. That's what the Hebrew writer said in chapter 13, verse 4. One of the reasons I want to bring this up is we have a lot of young children today that are being born into this world out of wedlock. We have literally got the cart before the horse. Paul said in the long ago that the younger women are to marry and bear children. That's what the Bible says. That's not my opinion. That's what scripture says. Now, one of the reasons abortion and the practice of abortion has become so prominent in our society 
is promiscuity. And by that I mean men and women cohabitating with one another and children being conceived and then because those children are unwanted, what happens? That pregnancy is terminated. I said last week that there are over 55 million children that have been aborted in this country since 1973. That ought to get our attention. It is the silent holocaust. In the eyes of Almighty God, that baby in the womb is a living being. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. God deems the baby in the womb just as much a human being as he does the baby out of the womb. Read the book of Luke chapters one and two and look at the original term that is used in that context. When we talk about cohabitation and the problem of promiscuity in our country, many of the television programs that are on today, airing all across our nation, what do they portray? They portray individuals living together, engaging in sexual relations together. They portray homosexual relations, and what do they portray those relations as being? Normal. They've sold us a bill of goods. Let me say this, another problem that has affected the, the home. Children today are being neglected, abused, untaught, and unloved. We talk about the home being the bedrock of society. The psalmist said, except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Look at all the children that have been born in our world today, and specifically in America that are born into this world with mamas and daddies who could care less about their well-being. I mentioned something about cohabitation. Let me just read for you this statistic very quickly because it's alarming. This was reported in the New York Times. Out-of-wedlock births have been rising in the U.S. for 50 years, but now they've crossed a big threshold. More than half of all the babies born to women under 30 are, are born outside of marriage. While 59% of babies overall are born to married women in, in America, unmarried births have soared among younger women, especially among white women who have some college education but no degree. And then listen to these statistics. Overall, 73% of black children are born outside of marriage. 53% of Latinos and 29% of whites. What in the world are we thinking in this country? You know what we're thinking? We're not thinking. We've got people in the church. We've got people out of the church that do not respect what the law of God has said about the marital relationship we have people all across this country that see nothing wrong with engaging in what the Bible calls fornication. Homosexuality falls under, under the heading of fornication. 
And the Bible says that the body is not for fornication. Paul said, flee fornication in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Bible says fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, in our world today, we call it shacking up. Let me tell you what. You can shack up in the church or out of the church, but God, God will hold you responsible for that. Children being born into this world. Some to married couples, many to unmarried couples. They have no guidance, as I mentioned a moment ago. They are untaught and unloved, and yet the Bible says that the aged women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. Here's what the Bible says about fathers. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Listen to this statistic. Approximately 13.6 million single parents in the U.S. today and those parents are responsible for raising 21.2 million children. And then note this, 1.4 million children, almost one child in 20, live in a household headed by their grandparent with no parent present. Let me tell you what we have. I wanna just, I wanna just make this as plain as I know how to make it. We have a lot of deadbeat mamas and daddies in this country. Do you hear what I'm saying? deadbeat mamas and daddies. When I'm talking about deadbeat mamas and daddies, I'm talking about mamas and daddies that are bringing children into this world and they have no care, no paternal care for those children. They don't provide for their spiritual well-being, they don't provide for their physical well-being, and they don't provide for their material well-being. That's just a fact. Now we talk about what's wrong with our country. I can tell you what's wrong with our country. One of the major problems in our country is that mamas and daddies are not living up to their God-given responsibilities. We can cut it any way we want to cut it. We can slice it any way we want to slice it. But that is the fact of the matter. If we want to get this country back on track, what we need to do is get the home back on track. And that means mamas and daddies on the same page. That means mamas and daddies understanding the importance of teaching their children about the Lord. That means mamas and daddies loving their children. That means mamas and daddies spending time with their children. Do you know who the primary giver in many homes is when it comes to children? Let me tell you who the primary caregiver is in many homes all across our country. Television and the Internet. That's what's, that's what's shaping the minds of many of our young people today. It's just a fact. Tonight, the Lord willing, I'm going to conclude by talking about crime in America, our judicial system, and the problem of alcohol and drug usage. And then we're going to look at the biblical prescription for getting our country back on track. I appreciate so much your patience today, your kind attention. I know that sometimes when you present lessons like this, when lessons like this are presented, it seems to be all negative, and it is negative. 
And sadly, I can't help that. But in order to see where we are, we have to wade through the mud. And there's a lot of mud to wade through. The Lord willing, tonight we're going to look at our responsibility as Christians. Now maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe your home is not what it ought to be. Maybe you're not where you ought to be. Here's what I would say to you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is interested in you as a human being. God wants you to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're here today and you're not a child of God, why not put your faith and trust in him? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Here's what you need to do. Believe Jesus to be the son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, Acts 2, 38. Confess his name before others, Acts 8, 37. Be immersed in a watery grave of baptism and God will wash away all sins, Acts 22, 16. And then you'll be added to the body of Christ, Acts 2, 47. If you're unfaithful, why not come home? Come back to a loving God who will abundantly pardon. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Could we pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing?